Greetings and welcome to episode number 55 of the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. This is the first episode, besides Berta's, uh, since season two, where we actually just talked to another agency owner, another designer. I cannot encourage you enough to find those people on the internet, in Instagram, in Facebook groups, wherever that you really connect with that are kind of like your work wives, your work sisters, um, and shoot the shit with them because that's exactly what Adelaide and I did on today's episode. Adelaide owns AMD Birmingham or AMD Creative Co. And we talk about what it's like being an entrepreneur that runs a team, being a creative agency owner, and some of the trials and tribulations of separating yourself, the entrepreneur from your business, um, and our own personal struggles and, uh, solutions to some of those struggles. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you are one of these people that is also in the same boat as we are, you're not alone. So enjoy. Kiss my aesthetic. You're listening to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Winterstein of MKW Creative Co., where we build brag-worthy brands through visual identity design and social media. You're in the right spot for branding, marketing, and entrepreneurship advice, so enjoy the episode. Greetings. Welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I have a fellow designer friend on today, and we're friends from Instagram. Hi, Adelaide. Hi, Michelle. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my goodness. We are going to get into it because I feel like you and I could talk forever. And it's so nice to actually have people that you met through the internet that you feel like are work, like work wives. Do you feel that way? Yeah. No, when I see you, I'm like, we've never met each other. But when I see your stuff, I'm like, oh, Michelle's up to this today. I'm like, oh, I'm following here, following this. I know, I know you, but I don't know you. <laughs> same. And same to you as well. Like following your whole last year, you had a crazier, you had a startup, you've got a team, you've got projects. You're in Alabama. I'm in California. But for anyone who doesn't know you, can you tell us who you are and what you do? Absolutely. So I am a 27-year-old entrepreneur. I have found my first business through doing branding, marketing, and social media management. And I had no idea that I was going to be an entrepreneur, but here I am and I'm going into my fifth year of business. And uh, that's for my branding agency, AMD Creative. And I found Michelle probably like, like, I'd say like three or four years ago through some random Facebook group for a podcast that we were watching. So it's so funny that we're not doing a podcast together today. But yeah, so I do branding and marketing as well as um, I just got into the tech world this last year, which was wild. I had an idea for a dating app and uh, just decided to go for it and got funded from a startup uh, accelerator program here in town. And I was able to build out the dating app. So now I have a dating app. Insane. Insane. And I remember the whole origination of that idea. And we'll definitely get into that as well, because I feel like I watched that whole story unfold, which was really exciting. But let's get to branding, marketing agency. How did you know that that's because you started young also, Um, like me, I started my business just as a freelance graphic designer in college doing just odds and ends jobs. Um, And I was making more money doing it than babysitting. So I thought I was making out like a bandit. Like you're going to pay me to be in my pajamas and like make you a poster. Okay. Like (laughs) thought that that was the best gig ever. Um, So when did you start and who kind of helped you, you know, gave you a swift kick in the pants and said, no, you can actually do this. Yeah. So 
It was the last year of college, and I had um, I went to the University of Alabama, Roll Tide, and I went there, and I got really big into the academic programs that were offered in my specific college, and I started tutoring people in the Photoshop Adobe software. Like I started from just tutoring people, which I didn't realize I was that good because like the first time. The first time I opened Photoshop for one school project, it was nine hours and like three rounds of tears before I even like could finish or submit the project. And then I just taught myself and got really good at it and then started um, tutoring people. So I ended up tutoring over 60 students in two semesters and made upwards of $10,000 from tutoring, tutoring these people. Um, because no one at the college that I was at, they don't really like tell you exactly how to do it. They expect you to figure it out. So that was like the the baby start to my actual business. And I didn't even realize it because at the time I was still applying for jobs. I was still looking for like my plight in life and like what I wanted to do. And it's just such a terrifying time. Like when you're 22, 23, about to graduate college, I meet so many young women now that I'm just like, just, just, just live, just survive, make it through this. Like you're going to be fine. Um, because it's just really such a hard time to transition anyway. So I was applying to jobs. I heard back from like a few jobs that were not really even warm leads of opportunities. And I decided like, well, maybe what if I start my own thing? And like at the time, my mom and aunt were like, you've got to start your own business because they have their own business. My grandfather has his own business or when he was alive, he did. My dad's an entrepreneur. My brothers are all entrepreneurs. Like my whole entire family is just a bunch of just Irish, Scottish Catholic uh, hustlers. Uh, so we're just like very much middle class, didn't come from any sort of like wealthy background. Everyone in my family has worked for what they've gotten. So anyway, took the $10,000 from tutoring. Moved back home to Birmingham, and my parents let me live with them for a year, which was a saving grace because I didn't have to pay apartment rent. I had to pay office rent, which was like $500 a month, and I had a few other expenses. And they were very, very supportive of me starting my own business. And uh, like, because my mom's a salesperson, my dad's a salesperson. So, I mean, I between them two, they could sell anything. And so I definitely picked up a lot of good qualities from them to start the business to like to like actually get out there because it's one to start in like a business and have an LLC and get the branding and everything, but it's another thing to market the business. Oh, completely. Yeah, like put yourself out there and say like, here I am. <laughs> Take what you can get. This is me. Like, do you like me? And it's just like a whole entire new thing that a twenty-three-year-old which I was at the time, didn't know I was going to do. So anyway, I, I definitely have a very strong work ethic. So I just got after it. And I, I had my office downtown. I made my website. I branded myself. Um, like the funniest story about AMD's colors is like I had a Wix template that I liked the one teal color and that became the entire brand. Entire brand color. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that was just random. But like it is what it is now. And people give me gifts for like only teal things now. And I'm sure you're the same with like your mm-hmm. yellow. Yellow. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so then I just like started going literally door to door with business cards and just getting no's, no's, no's. And I had a pretty strong network in Birmingham. Like I said, I only started with the money that I made from tutoring. 
I didn't have any investors or any money from parents or anything. And I just kind of made it work. And then after two months of just like hitting the ground running and taking what projects I could get, I got a $3,600 a month contract with like the biggest food distributors in Birmingham. And I was like, all right, let's go. Like, let's Let's go now. Yeah. (laughs) And that really built my confidence to have like the distributor that I got because they needed marketing help like monthly. And like, it was doing website edits for WordPress, which I didn't even know how to use WordPress. It was doing Instagram posts for like, whatever. But at this point, I'm so eager to have a big client and just say yes to someone and just be the person that they could go to. I mean, I obviously spent way much more time on that account than I should have. And I would never take on an account that I didn't understand what the like work was now. But at the time, you just have to say yes. Like, it's the only it's way just, you can learn. It's the only yeah. way to learn is to stay to like say yes when you're maybe only 60, 70% sure you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> That's I'm like, how it was for me too. I worked for like a health startup for two years on retainer, making like 20 bucks an hour doing anything they wanted merchandise suite, website graphics, social media posts, doing infographics and onboarding documents and all this stuff. But it was such a huge volume of work that it taught me how to do use all the tools better, right? And like actually have a process and actually have checklists and check-ins and invoice correctly. And like without that experience, it would have taken me a lot longer to learn those things. Absolutely. And I think like (laughs) I'm very much a hands-on learner. And if I don't do it once like myself, then I probably won't learn that. So I think that was like the perfect first client to have. And then six months after starting the business, then I hired like my first part-time person. And I always tell people, if you can make it through the first six months of business, you can make it through anything <laughs> because that that is a tough time and you have to have resilience. Um, and like, if you don't have a good team around you saying, you've got it, you've got it, you've got it, you can do it. That's going to make it even harder. But I think a lot of really self-disciplined people make the best entrepreneurs because a lot of the times you don't have someone saying, oh, you did a great job or like, congrats. And I know you feel that way because like, you, I've watched you grow probably three times the amount since our last, you know, Instagram live we did together. Cause I love the way that you're growing your business in like giving opportunities that like, you know, even to people who may just be freelancers and want to get mm-hmm. some, some jobs like, or some sort of client work to do and they may have kids. And like, I think that's just like kind of a trend. I don't know about you, but I think that's kind of a trend the way uh, the creative world is going especially post pandemic. I mean, just like the way you've grown it. Gig economy for sure. But I but then on the flip side, I saw you you immediately went for an office and you immediately like pretty quickly after went for employees. And that employees scare the shit out of me because I've watched my parents run their business of interior design and the employee turnover and the just mental gymnastics you have to do when you manage people and like that is their whole career and you have to make sure that they have work and you have to make sure that they're satisfied in their work and they're happy with their work and they don't want to quit because if they quit then you're like there's so much more that's super intimidating to me so I've gone more the freelancer route because that made the most sense and also in California like the employee California taxes are not very friendly to the employer they're way more friendly to the employee so that gets a little bit uh tricky so I've always operated on let me pull together this ragtag team of of individuals, of contractors that are super hyper talented in their one specified niche. And I can kind of like mosaic them together than to expect someone who can do all the things and also be local. 
that's more scary to me. Yeah, that's kind of the the entire mission of AMD is very local focused. And I really think it just came because like naturally how people communicate with each other, they're like, oh, well, who did your logo? Well, this person did my logo. And then Birmingham is pretty much a big, small town to where if someone gives you a good review and they're, you know, well-known in their industry, then they'll refer you to the other person. And I think like in the past five years, I've worked with over 500 local businesses in Birmingham. And it's just, it's incredible how the community can grow that way. And I think it also reflects on the type of people that I've been attracting to hire. Like instead of doing like a casting a wide net of, because I, I made so many mistakes in hiring people. Like I am the queen of mistakes. Like I was the biggest joke in my office space because they'd be like, oh, you fired another intern. What happened? And I'm like, they they quit. And they're like, just it's like, I'm learning and I'm trying to figure out how to like have employees. And like, if you're 23 and a girl and you're hiring a 21 year old, who's a girl, it's like, right. Kind of awkward to like, ha- be like, I'm your boss. Um, so well, and th- that's a great point about seniority too, because I feel sometimes like I had a whole slew of interns at one point and it was fine, but it almost bridged on being too casual because I was more of a peer and I was just like kind of getting them some help from them on the side. Like they didn't understand (laughs) that I was trying to run a full agency and that I needed like the talent, but then at an intern, at intern pay, at intern opportunity, you're training them. Like they're getting paid to learn. They're not getting paid to like actually probably move the needle for your business necessarily. And they may just take those skills and peace out. So it is this interesting conversation because I think the workforce, like you said, has evolved towards more of this gig economy. But then you also don't want to be the business owner that's jaded that thinks that everybody's just going to like take what they need and then leave you holding the bag. Because that happens. That definitely happens. It happens. I've had someone try to sue me because they quit before their month was up. And like, I was like, I'm paying you the amount of hours you worked. And they were like, no, actually, you're going to pay me my full salary. I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm like, like, just just leave me alone. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. There's so much. And there's so much that happens as business owners that's behind the scenes. And and you and I have stayed in contact on social media. And we talked about like having our personalities be part of our brand and, and all of that good, happy stuff. But there's I think 2021 was the hardest year for me because it was a year full of having shit go down that like I didn't have the outlet or didn't feel appropriate to put it on social media. Right. Like I'm not going to air out laundry that paints my brand in a light of not having my shit together. That's not the point. Yeah. Like this is still a marketing channel. This still needs to drive people towards the action that I'm asking them to do, which is to work with us. So if we are scrambling because our team changes every three weeks, like that's not a good look. Like that's not the kind of brand I want to be. So I kind of got left being like, what am I even doing on social media? Like, I didn't know what to post there anymore. Do you ever get that feeling? Yeah, that's so, that's so sad because like you've built such a great brand and like to feel like you can't, but also that is a compliment to you because you know that you're posting something authentic. So you're not going to post something like, we're having a great day at MKW and like, exactly. why don't you come work with us when you have an intern who's like, like suing you or like, I don't know what happened, sure. but you know, it's like, that's a testament to you. But I of course feel that way on my personal page. I'm just like, I, I go crazy. I'm like, I will just post whatever because I'm like, this is my personality. It's unfiltered. But then separating the two really helped me. So now <laughs> my intern 
or well, she's our social media person now. She got promoted. Um, she runs the AMD page. And so she's like Adelaide. That's nice. <laughs> and she's like really good about saying like, let's not post that. And I'm like, okay, good. Yeah, you're right. Let's not post you're that. Right. <laughs> it's hard though, because if you grew your brand on being a solopreneur, then that is part of your superpower is your personality or is your individuality. And then you start to outsource that or you start to plan it. And maybe this is just coming of my own like gripes with Instagram is that it starts to feel, I think contrived is not the right word, but it's lost. It's lost some of its luster for me. And that's why I love TikTok. Cause I'm like, screw this. I'm going to TikTok <laughs> and TikTok is way more fun. Yeah. TikTok is so fun. And Instagram, I think just like the way they are prioritizing stores and creators over like any like store like pages with products that is driving me crazy because I'm like everyone else is doing backflips and y'all just want a percentage of like the sales and mm-hmm. we're, we're and it's it's hard but I mean it's it's so sad because Instagram like has such potential to be amazing especially for getting new business for our clients like and then it's it's hard to be like, oh, actually, no client. Like, we expect you to do like a TikTok dance now. And like, you're going to need to like get out there. And the client's like, what? I don't even mm-hmm. know how to open Facebook or like add mm-hmm. a, a mineral on Facebook. And you're like, no, time to dance. And it's like, uh-huh. <laughs> it's like our clients are just like, please, like, I just, y'all figure it out. <laughs> Social media is such a difficult beast. I've had people ask me like, oh, you should make a course. You should make a course about Instagram, a course about TikTok, whatever. And every time I think about it, I'm like, by the time I finish filming all the stuff, all the information will then be outdated and it won't be helpful to anyone. So it's one of those things that either you have to love it and like love internet culture and be all about it, which I am. And I think you are too. Or you just have to trust that like, we're going to point you in the right direction because there's so much about like, it literally changes week over week. And that's, I think where a lot of business owners burn out. Do you agree? Absolutely. And I've seen more people come to me for social media management. I think it's going to become a huge service that I'm going to have to put a little more infrastructure around because they're, they're not wanting to manage it themselves anymore. No. Um, and they don't have time. Because just because of how many things that change. So we have to like prioritize ourselves on one, being educated on what's changing and what's like the new thing. And I think like you do a great job of using every feature like that Instagram has to offer. So then more people can see your content. Because I remember you saying that you're like, if you use location, music, sound, the filter, everything that you have, it's going to boost your post more. And I think that's, that's really cool. But yeah, like social media management. Yesterday I was at a meeting. And I was supposed to get one new client and I ended up getting six <laughs> new clients yeah. yep. in one sitting. They're like, actually, no, can you manage ours too? And I'm like, uh, yeah, like, let me just like get back to you on that. Yeah. Here's the thing. Here's the advice I would give you based on like my observations of now running this since 2020, we started doing social media yeah. management for brands. And I did a little bit of social like on my own in like 2017. And then I bailed and I was like, no, nope, I want to niche into brand design and I only want to do brand design. Mm. I only want to do logos. So then I really niche towards brand design. And then the pandemic happened and I was like, well, shit, I really like these brands that I've worked with. I want to keep working with them, but I don't have any offerings for us to work together past branding. Right. Like, that's like somebody, it's like, you're really close with your realtor when you're looking for your house. And then when you have your house, you're like, okay, goodbye. And then that person is not like, like they can't keep selling you new houses. Right. So I was trying to figure out like, okay, how do I create an offering that 
allows me to kind of stay close to these brands that I love. And it was social media management. And the first brand that I offered it to was Hotel Lobby Candle. I said, can we do, we finish your branding. Can we also do your social? And she's like, oh, you would do that? And I was like, uh, yeah, hello. And it was raging success, which was great right off the bat. But there's so many lessons I've learned in social. And I think that the trends since that, since October, 2020 to now, which we're recording this on New Year's Eve, Happy New Year, everyone. I think next year, if I had to guess, the trends for social media are going to be, of course, outsourcing to agencies, outsourcing to creatives, influencer campaigns. It's not really a trend, but I think more brands are going to sign on for campaign intensive social. And we've offered this to a few of our clients so far where it's like we give them the option to do like a seven day or a 14 day campaign, which includes posts every day, reels every day, TikToks every day, stories every day, and two hours of engagement every day. So we we kind of bookend that, sandwich it around a launch, sandwich it around an event, and around a, one specific thing, and then go for more of a social media sprint and pay a little bit extra to get that huge volume of content around one call to action than to just have a bunch of like ongoing social where you then have to factor that stuff into your regular calendar. Yes. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And then that is like, it lets your team get really in on it. You can go in on a theme. You can go in and on an idea. You can do the photo shoot, the video shoot, everything, but then like have that concentrated effort. And then you can immediately measure that against the ROI of the call to action. I think that's going to be where social goes. I totally agree. And I think a great example, this upcoming spring, we have like five of our clients having grand openings of a second location. So doing Mm. grand openings for a store is like a full on mini campaign of itself. So it's like Mm -hmm. you reach out to influencers, you get the content ready behind the scenes content of like, what's going to be like an addition to the new menu at the new location. And just like that entire campaign, I'm kind of focusing on myself. um, And I'm trying to put infrastructure around that, like, because people really need help with grand openings. Like they, because mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you don't have a good grand opening, it's kind of a flop. So people need help with that. But yeah, I think that's super cool. And like monthly management is also like, it's a way to predict revenue for me, like to say like, okay, well, like we're doing this management for this lawyer, for this accountant or for this restaurant. And I'm like, okay, well, they're paying us this much a month. Great. Let's keep going. Keep it going. Because I I just feel like it's good to have some predictable income. But yes, I would love nothing more than to just do campaigns. Isn't that the dream? <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, and the branding. I still have like a sweet spot in my heart for doing the branding. I love making Same. logos. I love that part of the process that comes really naturally to me. Because um, in the first conversation with the client on their discovery call, I pretty much have an idea of what their logo should look like. Yes. Does your brain work like that? Oh, yes. I sometimes feel like I've gotten psychic. Because mm-hmm. they're like, mm-hmm. here's this one brand that I like. This happened to me when I like, I feel like you go into like their, their, their psyche and they're like, this happened to me when I was a child and I had this moment and you're like, yes, like you liked horses. Okay. But you don't. Okay. And it's like, you're connecting all these dots. And then I just feel like it's, it's so much fun to make brands. And then they're like, how did you come up with this? It's like, I don't know. But here it is. Yeah, it's it's so fun because it's like the ultimate make-believe. It's like, here, I can make this thing look like this business, that this is what I would do if I were the business owner, but then I don't actually have to run the business. That's the best. <laughs> that is it's the like, best. 
I can make it look fabulous. And I tell, I tell this to my clients all the time, the ongoing social clients, where if they're talking about their supply chain issues or they're talking about packaging being delayed or they're talking about the website buttons not functioning. And I'm like, I'm so glad I'm not on that side of it because I just get to make things that like look pretty. And with social media, like everyone has such a short attention span that it's so fun for me to go balls to the walls on social mm-hmm. because I feel like you can get away with so much more. But if your button all of a sudden is broken on your website or your email subscribers aren't going through, like I don't really want that to be my so like getting out of websites getting out of websites was like the best thing i ever did because those projects are mammoth and they just turn into like scope creep like you wouldn't believe and that like tedious technical stuff drives me nutty yeah the the website stuff we're still making websites but i've reworked the packages to just be like landing page websites so we can just do like a squarespace side where we design new custom banners we do a home about services contact blog and then just the sh- end. ship it off because like when it gets to the e-commerce side of things I'm like ooh mm because there's just so it's a beast yeah there's just so much and it's like we can do it but it's like my my team also doesn't want to do it and I don't want to do it so right. it's like why should we do it right <laughs> Right, right. And that's the weird thing is like, just because this is a great lesson I learned from someone on social media, and I don't remember who it was. Just because someone asked for something does not mean you have to give it to them. Oh, my God. Just because they asked you, oh, can you also do this? Oh, can you also do that? Oh, can you also does not mean you have to. And I think that the greatest light bulb of working for yourself is realizing that you are totally in control of how much you want to work, which is a luxury. I had to learn that. And I'd still, I yeah. still am learning that. Um, I have like such a guilty conscience of like, oh, I'm not in the office today. Like, I, do my employees hate me? But then I'm like, wait, you're like the owner. Um, you don't have to be in the office if you don't want to. And I just think it's it's a whole entire like mind game you play with yourself because you're like, I don't know. I'm very hard on myself, and I could imagine that you're similar. But you want to work, and like getting working means you're living, and it's like. I need to start realizing like, okay, to, to work is not to live and you don't live to work. It's like, just, just figure it out and like, just set boundaries with yourself. But also that there are goals that I used to set for myself that now don't feel as significant anymore. Mm. Do you know, do you have that also where you're like, oh, I really thought that when I hit this benchmark, it was going to feel like X, Y, Z. And now you fly past the benchmark and you're like, oh, okay. (laughs) So it feels the same. I I don't know. Like I got really big into hats, right? So like every time when I was a solopreneur, every time I'd have a 10K month, I would get a new hat Mm -hmm. from this brand that I loved. And it was like an investment and I still have all those hats, but now like that's, I need to make 10 K to cover my expenses. Like I need to get, that's, that has to be threshold. This can't be like, that can't be the top of the mountain. Like we've got to be driving towards five, six, seven, eight times that per month is where I'd like to be. So it's like, how do you, it's so crazy to think that that for me used to be such a big freaking deal that I would make social media content about hitting this benchmark that now is, I'm just like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe that I once thought that that was that. You're like, I, you're like, where I, I hit now. that in a day. It's like, <laughs> it's, you know, I mean, like, a day is dramatic, well, like, but I'd like to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like. <laughs> yeah. But now, and now the estimates, and that's exactly how I've, I've been able to grow and scale my business is like, I tell the story about like the mini brand design process. The first one I did was for 500 bucks. And now that, pro- that same process is 5,200 is like, because demand, because skill set, because team, because reputation, because efficiency. Like there's all these factors that, but I couldn't come out the gate 
swinging and being like, this service that I've never offered before and have no experience doing is worth $5,000. And I think there's a lot of people online that do that kind of shit. Oh, yeah, I don't. I just like people's pricing. uh, I don't want to talk about other people, but like between us, I think like the way you structure your pricing, I definitely think it's like worth every single penny, first of all. And also to like get to that level and like the awareness that you have right now, you like, you deserve every penny because like, I know you're putting your whole back into these brands. Like I see it on live. Like you're not just, you know, like, oh, well, oh let, me, yeah. let me go just like auto copy or trace this. No, I see you. You're giving options on options on options and like research goes behind it. So like your no, your pricing is good. I wouldn't change it at all. Yeah, it's it takes a long time to get there, though. But now it's funny because yeah. now I'm doing kind of the whole thing all over again with building out my digital products because I never I didn't want to be a digital product entrepreneur. It's just not for me. Like, yeah. no, thank you. It's cool. It's don't get me wrong. It's fun when you get like a little sale come into your inbox. And you're like, oh, cool. Like, <laughs> just like kind of, I feel like the I feel like Pete <laughs> Davidson on SNL when he's Chad. Oh, my God. Like, oh. Cool. Yeah. Oh, cool. You're like, huh. he's just like, oh, Extra, cool. Okay. <laughs> like, oh, sale. Cool. Like, because I don't, I'm not the person. And again, this, I w- might totally eat my words on this in six months from now. I'm not the person that's like building out the trip funnels and building out the drip campaigns and building out the, I've never paid for Facebook ads ever. Mm-hmm. So to me, like the digital products is such an icing on the cake thing, but now I'm writing this huge ass handbook and people are asking me for it. And I'm having the same feeling that I did when I offered the mini brand design service where I'm like, oh yeah, I mean, how much, the, the fallacy is I keep putting myself in the shoes of myself being mm. like, how much would I pay for this? And I'm like, mm. I don't know, like 50 bucks, but I'm not a consumer of digital products. So I don't buy shit. I don't buy courses. I don't buy templates. I don't buy any of that stuff. So I'm really disassociated with the person that is actually my end customer. So pricing that stuff has been really difficult. Yeah. Because I'm like, oh yeah, maybe like 30 or 40 bucks. And people are like, this is worth $400. Yeah. I, I, like, I definitely, <laughs> I saw that booklet and I was like, I would pay, I'd pay like 500 bucks for that. Just because like, I love how your brain is like more organized than mine. And so like to see what you have. I'll tell you, it's taken me six <laughs> months to write this thing. Okay. I started this project six months ago. That makes me That's how long better. it's taken me to just like materialize it. No, I didn't just like bang this out in an afternoon. Okay. Hell no. No. <laughs> Well, it looks awesome. No. And like, I think, and, and I totally understand where you're coming from though. Cause it's like one, and you know, like once you say the price the first time, it's either a yes or a no from people. And it's like, you mm-hmm. set your price, you, you set your, you know, feet in the sand and it's like, all right, take it or leave it. But I also don't want to be the entrepreneur where somebody buys a product for me and they feel like they invested and then they did, they got shit in return because mm-hmm. we've all been on the other side of that coin too, where you register for an event or you buy, you get a download or you join a webinar. Like I was such an idiot for these free webinars for so long where I'm like, Oh, I'm going to get this free webinar. <laughs> and then you get in there and you read the whole thing is a sales pitch. And you're like, okay, I just wasted 45 minutes of my life for you to tell me that I can't even get the answer to what you prompted me mm. until I pay $297 to get through your paywall for the, you to tell me, um, believe in myself. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that that kind of stuff drives me nuts. And so I think I have such an aversion to the online entrepreneurship community in that way that I never want someone to buy something from me and feel like they got bamboozled. So like, although I say that it's a 55 page guide, like five of those pages are like cover pages for the different chapters. So it's not 55 pages of content. It's like 40 pages of content. So do I say it's a 55 page guide or do I say it's a 40 page guide? (laughs) 
Like, if a whole yeah. page is just, like, chapter four, like, so that's funny. not a 55-page guide anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. I don't know where these hang-ups come from. Absolutely. I think you could, um, I think you could specify. I think you just say, you know, 40 pages worth of content. Um, the rest of it is to, to look nice. So Aesthetics, of course. I'm curious what some of your other pet peeves of, like, the online entrepreneurship community are. Oh, um, I think I'm a like, big fan of the block function and mute. Yes. I mute, I mute a, a lot, lot of people. people. <laughs> yeah, I mute a lot of people. I think my biggest um, hold up right now with like the digital community is like influencers. <laughs> like I can, mm. I've had to unfollow a lot of influencers because I personally, like I could go into a, a like a day long rabbit hole with you on this, but I'll try to like sum it up. Like I follow a lot of people on Instagram, but I also am deep into like the YouTube community. So I like mm-hmm. to like watch sure. different family channels, different makeup channels, different, you know, comedy channels. I watch it all. I love YouTube. Um, and like, especially commentary. But the biggest issue I have is when people exploit their personal life for financial gain. Mm. And they're like, here's my boyfriend. He's amazing. But also we're sponsored by this pair of pajamas and like you should get this to cuddle up with your boo this year and you're like what like okay first of all my my thing is like when I see that people post with their like significant other a lot I'm like something they right there because like when you have to constantly say like we're so happy we're so happy we love each other like oh but maybe I'm bitter maybe I'm bitter but I do think it's really no but I think it's a grass is green it's like it's this weird thing of I think you hit the nail on the head it's this keeping up with appearances that I think we can all sniff the bullshit much quicker yes yes because it's because for why for what and I think that this is where a lot of entrepreneurs struggle especially with their social media is they think that's what they're supposed to do because yeah. it's what they consume when that's not the case. Like you can absolutely have areas of your life as an entrepreneur that are off limits for social. Mm-hmm. Totally, totally. And that's actually healthy. And the other thing that it gets to, like the point I said earlier, is that there's some stuff that maybe shouldn't exist on your social media because it's actually not driving people to do the thing that you want them to do. Like yeah. you're not, by by talking about how you are struggling with XYZ kind of thing, it's not convincing me as a consumer that you're going to be able to get the job done. You know what I'm saying? Yes, there's such a line. I think, like, my mom was super strict growing up. And, like, she wouldn't allow me to post anything, like, personal or any sort of, like, alcohol cup on my page. And, like, same. Like, I, I grew up that way, too. You know, and it's, like, I'm kind of thankful for that. Because if I if I was, you know, out here just posting whatever and didn't have anyone to be, like, maybe you shouldn't talk about that. Like, that, I, I mean, I would... I'm very much an impulsive person and I like don't have a problem with hitting post, you know? And so to have someone kind of bring me back down, that's better. But also just like sharing something so personal on your business page makes you come across as weak, like sometimes, unfortunately. And like, I hate that, but it's just what, it's just what it is. And it makes you come across like, Oh, well, if they think this way and they're um, having an issue with this, then they're not going to get my project done. Therefore, why would I pay them? I saw you posted this thing. So why would I do this? And it's just like a subconscious thing that like maybe don't put as too much personal stuff. I don't know. Or do honestly. And it also (laughs) comes, it comes to me in the form of almost like guilt because I'm now responsible for a team and I'm responsible for getting these client projects done. And not that that's been different, but when I was solo traveling, there's this great, I told this, I've told this on the podcast before. When I first went and traveled with Wi-Fi Tribe in 2017, I came back from six weeks in Costa Rica. I went to the gym with my mom and the trainer at the gym said, 
oh, it's nice your parents paid for you to go on vacation for six weeks. Oh, no. And I said, no, I worked. I have my own job. I worked while I was there and I paid for everything myself. But I realized that all the content I put on social media, I wasn't saying anything about the work I was doing. Mm. I was saying everything about, oh, I'm in Costa Rica. I went surfing today. Here's a cool coffee shop. And like, look at me. I'm answering emails like, ha ha ha. Like it didn't, it wasn't show, it wasn't driving towards the reason why I had social media for my business. And this, this was all on my business page. And like travel was a great vehicle for me to talk about aesthetics, for me to talk about culture and food and like things that are really actually still important to me and still important in my business of like understanding visual communications. But I wasn't posting in the lens of a business owner. I was, I was that people probably hate followed me of like being a digital content creator that like, that like I wasn't a travel blogger. I wasn't a travel blogger, but like I never posted about the work I was doing or the results that we were getting for our clients. So although like it was great, people would email me and be like, Oh, I really want to work with you. Once you get back from wherever place I'm like, no, no, I'm still working. Like I'm here, like I'm working. Um, and it was this weird disconnect. So now I feel like the pendulum swaying the other way where the pandemic happened and I went balls to the walls with work. And now I feel like I don't have as much space for those personal things because they now feel like they're in opposition to me than showing my work and like showing off my clients. That is such the just like catch 22 of being a business owner. It's like you have this personal freedom. And I'd have to say it's also the catch 22 of being a female business owner. Because if you mm-hmm. saw a man going out and traveling, you'd be like, oh, wow, he's such a successful person. And then you see, you see, um, a woman do the same thing like oh who's paying for that it's like gatekeep gaslight girl boss gatekeep gatekeep gaslight girl boss yes gatekeep gaslight girl boss yeah literally Uh like oh my gosh it's just like it's so bad and I think being a business owner is awesome there's so many things then you do have those times where you feel guilty about posting like oh well I treated myself to a trip and like that's why literally before I went on my Europe trip uh like this summer I posted a, a preview pic, right? This is me at the airport. And I'm like, captioning it. I'm like, I paid for this whole entire trip myself. I'm going on uh, something to treat myself. Like, this is this is to prep you all to know that you're about to see content that's like me having fun in Greece. Like, get ready. Right. And I paid right. for this, by the way, <laughs> just because. People will say that. But what? Like, it sucks that you have to, that we even have to disclaimer it because I think that in my brain, the community that I curated in those like 2017, 2018 times was very much people who were like me. Mm -hmm. They weren't necessarily my client. And there is a difference, right? Like there is a big difference between the consumer of your content and the customer of your content. And so once I focused more towards the customer side, like then the content that kind of fell to the wayside was the stuff that was more like personal about me. But at the end of the day, customers want to, clients want to work with me because of who I am, because I represent a lifestyle that they either also want or also have, or because of my, my own approach to business. So like, it's still a thread. It's just not the thread that I leave lead with. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's, it's, you have to be calculated. Like you can't, you can't just post anything, Mm -hmm. especially when you have a lot of eyes on you, because unfortunately anyone is looking for a misstep. Like anyone is looking for you to to catch you um, slipping through the cracks in any potential way. And like, you just have to be careful and like have a very strong willpower, I've realized. And also like something, I'm going on a rant, something really awesome, Go for it. awesome 
that I have figured out in the past couple of years, I used to post stuff like trying to prove myself to people and be like, I'm a female boss. Like, you know, the hustle culture got us all like the girl boss mm-hmm. mentality. And, mm-hmm. you know, that whole like 2016, 2017, like, 2018, like just like slew of like be your own female boss. And it like wasn't MLMs, but maybe some of it was. But anyway, I realized why am I posting this stuff? None of these people are going to ever give you validation because even if you do find, you know, unwavering success, like they're still not going to say, oh, Adelaide, you're great. You know, no one, no one is going to build yourself up unless you have, you know, significant others or family members that are awesome or you can just tell yourself because like what, what am I posting to get the validation from anyone? Like on my personal page is what we're talking about. Like what am I? And yeah. The validation is so so weirdly interwoven with popularity yes. on a lot of these platforms. And for my clients, like the vanity metrics are somehow so important to them. Like, oh, well, I want to have, before this, everybody had links, I need to have 10K followers. It's like, do you need 10K followers or do you need like 10 of the 1200 people that follow you to book a facial with you in mm. your office? Yes. Like, what is the goal here? It's because we've attached following and popularity to that validation and equated them to success when the two aren't really linked, it it messes with people. And so if you're not driving towards that action of like, like you're not going to necessarily see the sales, you're not going to see someone's success all the time. But if you're going to make that snap judgment based on like the size of their following or the trips, the extravagant trips that they go on or the things like that can be really dissociating. I think that's where a lot of people are being disillusioned with Instagram specifically is like, there is, it's like, wait a second, these two do not match up. Yeah. And like, what you see is not always what you get. Like, (laughs) when you Mm -mm. see a beautiful curated post of someone in like, you know, wherever, uh, the South of France, great. That's beautiful. Um, but you don't know that like that picture actually was taken six months ago and this is her brand partnership and she's not actually there right now. And like, it's just like all about, all about trying to like out prove the next person. And I think a lot of that is, is really just like bad for us long-term as humans. So, I mean, all we can do is set boundaries for ourselves at this point to like understand yeah. like that's not us boundaries and and support from people that understand it like i you and i both come from families of entrepreneurs and i'm mm-hmm. so grateful for that because like i definitely wouldn't be where i am without that but there's so much value in like maintaining your professional friendships yes like the fact that you and i can message each other or like i can message georgia who i like consider my other work wife is like just to have people that are enough in the industry but they can actually give you advice like and say like, uh, yeah, no, you're right. This person did just totally rip you off. And I think that you're total. this is, you're not just bitching. You're, this is legit. And I was like, okay, thank you. Oh my like, gosh. Which happened recently, I which I know. sent to Georgia and be like, um, excuse me. Like, is this not my tagline that is like huge on my website that this person is now using as their Instagram bio? Like, that's very annoying. And she's like, yeah, that's a copy paste of your, your tagline. And I think me, 23, 24 year old me would have like, confronted that person and been like, you are using my, this is my proprietary, this is my brand, da, 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 da. but now I'm just like, it, I just kind of take it as like, yeah, that's annoying. And then I can just like <laughs> bitch about it to one friend that gets it and like throw it over my back and be like, it's literally not even worth the mental calories to think about like wanting to approach that person. And unfortunately that keeps happening. Like 
But that's the, this is the stuff. This is the stuff that I'm very happy to talk about on podcasts that I would never make a whole Instagram story series about calling that person out. Yeah. Never. Because it's just petty and it's just like a waste of time. And it's not driving people towards doing what I want them to do on my page, which is work with me. So it's it's funny to like have those moments happen because the people that get it, get it. <laughs> and the, the girls that, that don't, get it, get it. Don't. Don't. Um, and, and there's just lots of like little instances like that. I feel, I don't know who's, who's your, because you can't really say some of that stuff to even your employees or your contractors. Cause that feels like a weird blurring of lines. Maybe you have like more open, uh, situation, yeah. but I, I just don't want to bog my contractors. Like they, I want that. I want my contractors to look at me as like their colleague, but also the person that's driving this crazy train. And I tell them that all the time. I was like, you guys are on board my crazy train. I'm just going to try to keep it on the track. So like, yeah. if you got ideas and they're good ones, like let's get to like, or a plane, let's get to cruising altitude before we talk about like what everyone's issues are. Yes. Well, I got to make sure yes. that this is still going. We've got fuel in the tank. Everyone needs to sit in their chair, put your seatbelts on. Once you're up there, now we can talk about what you need, what you have to talk about. But I can't, if we talk about all this stuff now and I, don't, I can't even get the door closed, then like we're going to have an issue. And yeah. so those conversations get really difficult too. Yeah. I don't know. Can you think of a time this year that like you had to have a hard conversation with your team? Uh, like once a month and like my team is amazing. And I've like, literally I've seen them grow so much and our whole entire office is women, which one makes it a lot easier. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) I love men. Don't worry. But, um, I plan on getting married to a man one day, just saying that for the listeners. Okay. So, (laughs) (laughs) so the thing is this is sometimes I feel as if I am like a camp counselor um, in the best way. And I was a camp counselor for a really long time. And I was like, you know, you've got to get everyone in, in their seats. Like you're saying, they all got to get on the, the right program. They got to, you know, wear the right outfit, talk to the right person. And it's like, you're definitely playing like 5d chess, managing other people while also trying to keep your shit together. And mm-hmm. you're like, mm-hmm. and anytime I always say this, like if I'm ever in a bad mood, I will literally text them before I get to the office. I'm like, Hey, I'm having a bad day. Like, I'm just letting you know. I'm coming in hot. Literally, <laughs> I do. I'm like, I'm, I'm, having, I'm having a bad day. Like it's nothing about y'all. Like just don't, like, I, I know my energy runs right. off on everyone, but I try, I try not to let it like go too far because it will bring everyone down especially since we're all in the same office together. But yeah, definitely a hard conversation I had was just more about like, um, like turnover and clients and just like how to make sure that doesn't happen as well as just like professionalism with clients. That's also a good conversation to have because sometimes you say the wrong thing or you have like your foot in your mouth or send the wrong proposal at the wrong price. And it's like, just let me talk to them. Um, and I'll fix it. And like, you know, we're, we're kind of like the final bosses, right? So it's like some, one of the clients, one of, I don't know if your contractors or employees talk directly to any clients, but mm-hmm. they do. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if they have an issue, right. Then they're like, they'll reach out to you, which is very awkward. Mm-hmm. They'll be like, your employee mm-hmm. did X, Y, Z. And I'm like, first of all, I heard every conversation that happens between right. you and my employee. And I've seen every email and I know that you're being a total psychopath. So how about we get on the phone on the call and let's, let's talk through this. And like that kind of stuff happens, you know, like here and there, but we've kind of done a good job of weeding out any sort of like troublesome clients, which is good. It's hard to do though. And it's hard to, it's hard to strike the balance, like you said, of the not that it has to be seniority, but leadership plus like 
I'm your ally, I'm your partner, I'm your collaborator, and like I've got your back. So with my team, like when we've had difficult client things this year, like I go to them and I say, you know, here's what I'm thinking of doing. All in favor say aye. And if you feel otherwise, like please write me a paragraph of why you feel otherwise. Yeah. Because I'm I'm not not gonna pull down the hammer and say like exactly what I say is the way that this is gonna go down. But from what I'm looking at and what you guys are telling me and where this thing is going, like this is a sinking ship and I'd rather have us jump off sooner rather than later and find something else to do. And when I kind of present that as more of a, like, this is a group decision thing, I feel like it gives them again, like more stake in the brand and like more, more ownership over their own situation in working with me because they know that they can come to me if they do feel otherwise and like keeping that door open. But that's like, that doesn't, It comes easily. It just doesn't come naturally all the time. Yeah. Because sometimes you do put your foot in your mouth and sometimes you do say stuff that you're not supposed to. And the best lesson that I think my mom told me is like, say what you need to say in less words. Mm. Like if you don't want to work with this client anymore, don't say you have to do X, Y, Z, or we're going to quit. She's like, just quit. Yeah. Like just quit them and just say, we're not going to be a good fit for what you need anymore. Good luck. That's hard. That's hard to do. It is. Especially when they're paying you money and you're like, you've trusted me with this, but sometimes a, cl- a client acts up and like, it's just like the only way out is to say, Hey, this is not working for both of us. Like, I'm happy to refer you to someone else. I'm happy to like mm-hmm. connect you with someone else. So like we can pass along anything that we've done so far, but you, you got to go. Cause you are, <laughs> you're causing issues, uh, which is in like, and I, I do a really good job of, um, like making sure my employees, feel like I trust them. So like, I think the biggest thing with being a leader is trust and as well as like respecting them and then respecting me as well as everyone's time involved. So like Mm -hmm. with that, there's just so many things that you avoid, like all little petty drama or whatever, if everyone just is like upfront and like, I also tell them like, if something goes wrong, just tell me like immediately. Cause we can fix anything that comes wrong, goes wrong. We can fix it. <laughs> like it's going to be mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. I really like having that sort of just like trusting relationship with them. Oh my gosh. It's so, it's such a different ball game. It's so it's stretches mental muscles in a way that I haven't had before like running a team and running projects and like managing expectations and keeping projects moving. And then, and then not doing the default, which is just saying like, Oh, screw it. I'll just do it myself. Yeah. Because that's, I feel like the biggest fallacy as an entrepreneur is thinking that like, Oh, it's going to take me too long to explain this to you, why this doesn't work. So I'll just take it over, which I've, I've, that's one of my new year's resolutions is to, to stop doing that because mm-hmm. that's, I want to move fast. And so when people can't move at my pace and I have to explain myself or explain myself more than once, I'm like, forget it. And I just like, and like take the project right back and be like, I'm going to either get this done myself or I'm going to find somebody else to do it. And the the better approach I think is probably sitting down, mentoring that person, teaching them, telling them why it doesn't fit these criteria. But it's fr- uber frustrating when you feel like I, sometimes I can't verbalize what it is that I'm looking for. Yeah. Sometimes I'm expecting you person, which is unfair, but I'm expecting you contractor, you person to understand what I have in my head before I've even finalized, formalized it. And so like trusting people that are creative and trusting people that have skill sets outside of your skill set is like the best thing ever. Like hiring a dub, like an online business manager that runs my Dubsado, Cody, she's wonderful. She's great because she, now I have a discovery call and she's like, how did it go? I'm like, great. Send them a proposal for X, Y, Z. And it's already templated. And that's out within four hours. Amazing. I'm like, oh, 
that's something that's like, that's such, I got so much time back by outsourcing that. So what are some of the things in the new year that you want to outsource? Oh yeah. And then I want to talk about set me up before ah, we go. Yes. So outsourcing, definitely like I'm looking for some new copywriters. Uh, my copywriter left, but she's coming back for a few hours because she's moving to Los Angeles. Um, also looking to outsource kind of like the like sales funnel situation, like managing when the client comes in, like the initial contact with them. I feel like I'm really good on the phone, but it's so funny because I'll be like, yeah, no, I'm Adelaide. I'm the owner. They're like, what? Like I'm talking to the owner. I'm like, yes, you are. What do you need? (laughs) So probably get more of like a sales assistant for that. But like overall, the greatest thing about 2021 was I completely ripped apart the entire business and built it back together to where it's like, this funnel goes to this funnel. This goes here. This goes to this person. This goes to this person. And I hired a communications director where she handles all the proposals too. And I'm like, this is amazing. Why haven't I done Mm -hmm. this before? Because I can work faster. And like, like you're saying before, I think it really just comes down to one thing. The girls that get it, get it. Get it. Don't, (laughs) don't. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And figuring out what's the thing that you still like won't give up. Like for me, I, I know that if I wanted to scale and grow my agency, I'd have to start outsourcing people to help with logo design. But to me, that's like my fingerprint. Like every logo that you've seen come out of MKW Creative Co. I have personally designed and that's still not something that I, I want to give up yet. Could be eating my words again on this in like six months, but it's to me, I'd rather find those super skilled people to like frame out the rest of the, that picture and be kind of that full service agency. But I I'm not ready to like give that part out because it's also a big part of my marketing. It's my, yeah. it's my Instagram and TikTok lives. Like that's, that is like the, the through line. That's the lifeblood. That's like that to me opens so many doors because it gets my prospective clients tuning into, okay, how does she actually do this? And I'm fine to pull back that curtain and like, let them see like, yeah. And I think that that does actually kind of help to seal the deal in a lot of cases. But what would you say is like AMD's personal signature niche thing that you guys do better than anybody else? I would say by far, it's making the brand cohesive from the digital logo to your storefront signage, to your menu design to the social media presence, to the website. Like our bread and butter is making sure that when you go out there, you launch your business, you look cohesive. Like I don't, I, I have roasted so many clients. I'm like, we cannot do blurry JPEGs. Like I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not even good. Like sometimes I don't even charge people. I'm like, please, please use this. Let me this, fix this for you. This optimized <laughs> PNG 300 right. DPI for your image. Right. Don't use this. Right. And I think that's really big. And I also think for you, like, you don't have to give up the logo design. Like you can always, you, I feel like you can always do that like forever and ever. Amen. If you wanted to, cause that is your brand. And like, and that's what I see when I see your work and I don't think you have to give it up. I think you could bring on an assistant maybe to help with like brainstorming, but like as far as mm-hmm. the work. So goes, I have a junior designer. Yeah. Yay. So the process, and if you buy, if you buy the, um, my handbook, I made a whole page that's just like, Michelle's roles and responsibilities because I wanted to make it really clear. <laughs> yeah. Like these are my high level things that I work on all the time. And these are the day-to-day things. Cause I'm, I can't just be a designer. Well, I could, if I built my business model that way, but it's not interesting to me, mm-hmm. but I only design one day a week. Like I only do those logo designs one day a week. And that's mm-hmm. one day out of a four week process for that brand. So there's like, 
it's so interesting because when you actually break it down, like majority of my tasks are still in business administration, management, et cetera, like creativity, um, inspiration building, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's so crazy to see that that's how much it takes to actually run this whole thing. And so that's why I'm excited about this handbook is like, I want this to be the resource that everyone knows what everyone's job is. So no one is surprised at who's doing what. No one has to like guess, okay, I did this. Now who does it go to? Like, no, everything's written out in a standard operating procedure. Everything is a flow chart. Everything is, this is how the intake process works. This is how the billing process works. This is how the, um, how files get uploaded into the drive. Like every single thing is documented. So I think that that's going to be a really good resource. I can't believe it's taken me eight years of business, but I've never had anything like this yet. So here we go. That is so exciting. And congratulations. I will be purchasing one whenever you put it out there. (laughs) Whenever I get it up on my website. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Tell us about your app before we go, because we're almost running out of time. But tell us about your app and tell us about um, where everyone can connect with you, find you online, all that good stuff for AMD also. Yes. So... The dating app is called Set Me Up, and it's only available in my city right now. We're still in testing, and it is the first in-person dating app. So instead of swiping and going left, right, and then chatting with someone for hours on end and then never meeting them, like Set Me Up gives you four people to choose from each day that we've like custom match made you with those people, and then you select whichever one you want to go on an in-person first date. So it's integrated with Yelp. So you pick like a local coffee shop, a cocktail bar, restaurant, wherever you want to go. You send that to your potential date. And if they accept it, then you're set up. That's simple. And you go on the date. I love that idea. It's just very, I mean, you know, I mean, crazy to think that we would actually just like go on an in-person first date, right? Um, It's just, you know, how dating kind of used to be like you get called on the phone and then they take you out on the date. But it's like very safe because we vet every single place that we send people to. There's safety features built in. It's kind of like the Uber of a date, dating. So, yeah. I'm into it. I'm into it. We'll have to have you back on a whole episode just to talk about like being an entrepreneur and dating. Um, Because that's a whole can of worms. Um, But I'll leave you with this funny story that is dating app related. That's also relates to what we talked about earlier in the episode. So in my Hinge profile, all of my prompts are about like, food and travel, because that to me as a personal, on a personal level, those are super important to me, right? So, you know, we'll get along if we're the same amount of foodie, whatever. But I've been starting since like last summer, I've started hosting like dinner parties at my place because I moved into a new apartment and I have a huge dining table with a leaf in it. And I do these full like theme dinner parties for like 14, 15 people. And I cook everything from scratch. And like that to me is my fun thing that I love to do. And I love a theme. So I put that in my dating profile, like, um, you'll know I like you if you get invited to one of my dinner parties where I cook everything from scratch, like seeking sous chef, whatever, right? And yeah. then in my profile, it doesn't have my business name. It just says like entrepreneur. And so I match with this guy and on the date, he goes, okay, so tell me about your business. And I was like, oh, I run like a brand design and marketing agency. He's like, oh, thank God. And I was like, what? And he's like, no, I thought you were an MLM because you have like dinner parties in your profile. And then it just says entrepreneur. So I thought you were selling Mary Kay. I thought you were like a vitamin girl. I thought you were selling like protein shakes, like a a Tupperware parties. And I was like, no, I was like, okay, this is really good feedback. (laughs) I was like, like, I finally Googled, I finally Googled you and I found your website. So like I figured it out otherwise, but I was like, oh my gosh, that's hilarious that like 
that's what he thought my profile was of like the combination of dinner parties plus entrepreneur <laughs> means that I was working for like an MLM company, multi-level oh marketing company. Yeah. Not funny. Like LuLaRoe. Could you see me selling LuLaRoe leggings? <laughs> I like, honestly, if you and I were LuLaRoe girls, we would kill it. We'd be at the top before anyone. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> I don't want to, but like, yes. So funny. So funny. <laughs> I was like, this is great dating feed, like dating profile feedback. I was like, I probably turned a lot of people off with that one. Yeah. It's so funny. So no Tupperware. No anyway, <laughs> so set me up coming to your city someday, hopefully, everybody. Um, if you want to connect with Adelaide on AMD related things, especially if you're in Birmingham, Alabama, to all the Birmingham listeners, I think Woo. it's you. Yeah, it's me. It's me. <laughs> I think it's you and your team. It's me and my employees um, that listen. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. How can people connect with you? And then you also have your personal account too, right? Yes. That one's yes. open or is that a private account? Yeah. No, my personal account is where like the real fun happens actually. Um, and that's just Adelaide, the creator. And then AMD is amdcreative.co. And we are, we do a lot of fun stuff on there too. So give us Perfect. a follow. Perfect. <laughs> Totally, totally. Well, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, yeah, enjoy the episode, everybody. And we'll catch you next time. Awesome. Good. Thank you, Michelle. Thanks, Adelaide. Thanks again for joining us for the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I'm your host, Michelle, of course, and it would mean the world to me if you would go ahead and leave us a review and follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that you listen to podcasts, really. The Kiss My Aesthetic Facebook group is also going to be a killer resource for you to ask questions, get feedback on anything branding, marketing, or entrepreneurship related. And to catch today's show notes or anything that we talked about in this episode, make sure you go to mkwcreative.co slash kmapod. We'll catch you next time.